When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to the Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, Jose Abreu is with the Houston Astros. This is the first domino fall. I guess first domino. Who knows if it's the first domino fall? Maybe the weeks upon weeks upon weeks of Billy. We'll have to wait for the other dominoes. But this is the big news. Three years, $60 million for Houston Astros, including Guardians. Looked like they were willing to go three years. According to John Heyman, the Red Sox wanted to prioritize. Abreu above everybody else, not named Xander Bogart and Rafael Devers. Uh, so Abreu, a good fit for a lot of teams. We heard San Diego also in the mix. And we knew that Abreu was going to be one of the more fascinating guys heading into this, this offseason, heading into free agency. It really was in terms of how much he was going to be valued in his clubhouse, how much they were going to overlook some downturns he had last year, uh, it, although he's been pretty consistent throughout his year. I mean, you're talking about living at 800 or better OPS across the board ever since he got in the major leagues. So he, he he fits a lot of teams, a lot of teams, because of all those reasons, not just one, not just one skill set, but the whole thing. And I think that the, uh, a sneaky thing here uh, that you're going to hear from Courtney Finnecom and, and Matt Spiegel, we're going to talk a little bit about Jose Abreu, is, is how much teams maybe did value that other element of the off-the-field element to it, how much Houston did. Now, uh, Crane comes in, the owner comes in, and he's like, I'm not going to be outbid for this guy, and and so let's go get him. Uh, this is clearly very, very aggressive. You know, maybe, who knows if James Click was the GM, if they would have signed him. We don't know, but we know that Crane wants to be aggressive, and he was aggressive. But I think that teams did view him as, uh, Jose Abreu, is as a guy who could impact not only on the field, but in the clubhouse as well. And we talk so much about the new age of free, or new age of GMs and how maybe they don't value this as much. I think uh, as we've also talked about, I think this is a little cyclical. 
I think it is coming back. I think teams are valuing this. This is one of the conversations we've had regarding Xander Bogarts. You know that I'm Bloom. He said, "If we, if I don't value that, if we didn't value that, then we wouldn't start the conversation with a 30 year old free agent like him." So I think it falls under that umbrella. So we had this conversation. This goes back a few weeks when we identified Jose Abreu as one of the most fascinating free agents. Again, with Matt and Courtney, both based in Chicago, both have an extensive history of watching this guy play, Jose Abreu, with the White Sox ever since he came aboard there. So they, were, they offer a really, really good perspective. So I think that all the people in Houston, what you're going to want to do, you're going to want to sit back, soak in what Courtney and Matt have to say about Abreu. I think you're going to like it. I think it's going to make you feel a little bit better. Although, you know, how do you not feel good? You get basically your whole, almost your whole team back except for Verlander and you're, you're fresh off a world championship. So there you go. Congratulations. But we just want to give this to you that say you're welcome, Houston. You're welcome, Houston. Here's some more praise about your new player, Jose Abreu. When, when you think Jose Abreu, what do you think of? Um, I think of an unbelievable professional as a ball player, uh, legit, really good hitter who can also slug, not just a slugger who hits a little bit. Um, incredibly consistent productivity um, and a guy who has gotten better defensively in his 30s which is you're not you're not supposed to do that but it's a testament to the work ethic i just i think the world of the guy as a ball player and you know you know rob and you know courtney when you're actually like covering somebody every day and paying attention and you get a good four or five years of somebody under your belt and now for abreu it's been what six it's the yeah. full it's the yep. full go of of that amazing of that contract you really, you really understand the dude. I've, I don't, I've never seen the guy take a day off or an at bat off. You know, I mean, yeah, he might sit every once in a while, but every at bat, he's battling, he's trying, and it's not kind of the classic way that shows up in the numbers. He's not a big pitches per plate appearance guy. He's not a, he's not a huge on base percentage guy without the batting average because he does swing, but he's just. He always looks for a pitch to drive and he usually does drive it. Um, and I just, I, I just respect everything about the way he does it. And, you know, it's one thing to think, well, a 36 year old guy, um, you know, he's always, he's probably a leader. No, he, he is a leader. He's not the most vocal leader and he's never really gone outside of, um, of Spanish. Like he's not one of those guys who has now crossed over and can talk to everybody necessarily. So you don't get that. But especially if you've got a ball club with any young Latin players or whatever, the respect for the guy is through the roof. And some of that is due to his origin story and his years in Cuba, which are just astounding. And we can go into detail on that if we want. But the guy as a ball player, I mean, it just, it, this town has been blessed with some first baseman. You know, for a while there, it was. Derek Lee and Paul Konerko, right? <laughs> Both studly professionals, badasses, showing up, reliable every day. And Anthony Rizzo and Jose Abreu, like there, there were a few years there where you're like, see, look at this. We got, we got another one after Mark Grace and Frank Thomas. You know what I mean? So like every once in a while, the Cubs and Sox hook up with first baseman or stalwarts and like, 
salt of the earth ball players and super trustworthy guys you want to be teammates with and for the most part not all those guys had all, everything out that i think about it out loud but <laughs> but anyway abreu a, an absolute stud of a ball player still very vital and would be incredible addition to any clubhouse see I can see that Courtney's like heart rate is going through the roof. Like she could, I, 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 you, you have, you have spoken to her. I can tell you, you could spoken to her fandom as, as someone who obviously have lived and died with the White Sox. From your perspective, Courtney, is there anything that he, that Matt didn't hit it on? Or, or more importantly, is there anything that he said that you're like, man, that's, that's the most important piece of the puzzle there? You know, honestly, Matt, he hit it all. Um, one thing I will just kind of enhance to that is I have often said this. I really believe he is one of the more underrated athletes, not just with the White Sox, in the city of Chicago. Underrated, underappreciated. Just like what Matt said, the guy is, always wants to be in the lineup. I mean, I was at that game against the Royals where um, I'm blanking on his name, Matt, when he got absolutely crushed by the big outfielder. I know you know what I'm talking about. Hunter Dozier, I think Bingo. it was. Hunter Dozier. I mean, I literally, I was sitting behind home plate and I heard the collision. It was violent. He wanted to, he wanted to keep going. Yeah. I mean, the toughness that he shows, he's a gamer. He wants to be in the lineup every single day. He's an actual baseball player. And I feel like that was missing quite a bit on this current White Sox team. Baseball players. And Jose is tough. And I think we've hit on this in a couple months ago between you and I, Rob. Chris Sale used to credit Jose Abreu of being an extremely big leader in the clubhouse. So as Matt said, he is not as much of a vocal leader, but he's still considered a huge leader, especially with the Cuban contingency that is in that clubhouse. He's a very valuable part of that White Sox team, extremely. So, so how much do you guys think that the White Sox are going to value this? Because I'll speak for, I'll speak after you guys say this. You know, I'll speak to how I think baseball might value him. But how much do you think the White Sox are going to value him? Or are they just saying, hey, listen, we got to turn stuff over and it's, it's, it's time to move on? They have, a, they, they have a real trick bag of a roster. Like Andrew Vaughn. It needs to play first base or maybe left field. Eloy Jimenez needs to be a DH or maybe left field. You know, uh, Gavin Sheets is a first baseman or maybe left field. <laughs> you, you see, sensing a trend here, yeah. Yasmani Grandal is a catcher who should probably play first base or DH. So that's so that's four first basemen. Yeah. <laughs> there were times last year where they had Vaughn in left and Sheets in right. And yep. it's like, wh and what are we doing here? So they, they, they really, so that that's part of it. Um, and, and look, maybe they'll trade Vaughn or they'll trade Eloy. Um, if they could trade Yasmani, I think they would have, but they can't. Um, uh, and maybe Pedro Grafal can unlock him, but they're kind of, they're kind of locked in from a roster situation to where it looks like they're going to let Abreu go because it's the simplest way to do it. Plus, then you don't pay him, and maybe you could pay somebody else, and their payroll is going to probably stay static. So that's the big thing. I don't think they're unhappy with him in any way at all. Mm. They're just ready to change change over the roster and, and, and try to do it a different way, and I think it might bite him in the ass, truth be told. I agree. Yeah, I mean, Courtney, from your perspective, I mean, you said, like, this is, this is a glue guy. 
This is and and you know coming from the fans' perspective, this is a this is. Yeah, I would imagine this, and tell me if I'm wrong, but this was a wasn't a very popular White Sox team, right? Not even close. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm even- I went on a limb there, but this was a popular player on one of the few popular players on this team. So from the fans' perspective. You're moving on, and I see different places. You're trying to fill spots, and you're trying to build a team, but there's also something to be said for who's gonna wear, who's gonna be wearing the jersey with a name on the back. What kids? What do? So you tell me, like, what's what's the name? What's the kids are gonna wear? And that's a small part of it, but it's the business part of it. It's why Bryce Harper is worth some of the money that he's worth. Because mm-hmm. you need the guy whose name is going to be on the back of the jersey of the little kids. Marketability, of course. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. So who's who's that guy if Abreu leaves? Tim Anderson, probably. Okay. But, okay, you tell me. You know, Tim Anderson obviously hurt. He's got a great personality. We all love, you know, sort of his, uh, you know, his voice in the game. But where does he rank in terms of the fabric of of the White Sox? You know, different player. Different player. I mean, like you said, he's been hurt. Um, his defense at times is struggling, for lack of a better word. Um, definitely just a different kind of player. As I said, Abreu was kind of that old school grinder type, wants to play through the injuries, where I don't see that from Tim as much. So, again, it's a little bit of a different just type of baseball player. Tim obviously has the flash. You know, he's out there with a the big bat, bat flips, changed the game. He's got the whole slogan. But it's not the same for me as a Jose Abreu, a guy that wants to be there every single day. It's different. Yeah, T.A. had a rough year. Um, he didn't play very well. Um, played real sloppy defensively and on the bases. And then then the batting average got in decay. He got hurt a couple of times, obviously. <laughs> and there was some stuff going on with him, um, some some rumors and some things on social media. It seemed like he had a lot going on personally, which affected him. Um, and and so he was. It, it was a rough year. He could bounce back from it, but it but it was definitely a rough go. And in terms of of uh, of of marketability, I don't know that the White Sox are in a position where they're allowing themselves to think about it. You know, they're like. Time is now. Their their window is now. They're they're right in the middle of it, and they just wasted a year and a half or two years because of Jerry Reinsdorf's vanity hire of Tony Larusa, and now Rick Hahn got to do it his own way, and he really is being given the freedom. And this is a last gasp for him, perhaps of uh, of of a chance to do this particular window right. Um, so look, I. I if any, it's it's possible that the Abreu save where he stays a White Sox would be the Reinsdorfian move of this offseason, right? Because Jerry loves him. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Jerry Jerry once presented Jose Abreu a ring <laughs> for hitting for the cycle. It's one of my favorite things. Like they, they were in the middle of a period where they didn't they didn't win a damn thing. This is this is like this is like John Henry giving Ricky Henderson a, a car for being a Red Sox for one year. Oh, I didn't know that. That's oh yeah, perfect. that's yeah. perfect. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like it was like an Abreu hit for the cycle, and two nights later, like Reinsdorf is in the clubhouse presenting him with a ring. Um, because there's there's an emotional connection 
And so, you know, if Jerry's going to step in, it, it could be, you know what, let's give Jose 10 million. And, you know, you know, the hot rumor is for Abreu is the Cubs. Cubs, yeah, yeah. Nobody would hate that more than Jerry Reinstein. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather see him on the Cubs than the Twins. That is for sure. Yes. yes. That and, is for sure. And don't you think it's possible, Courtney, that, that Jose's agent is very interested in that rumor being what it is Million. in order to in order to drive Jerry to uh, such things. Not that this business works that way, Rob. Not- no, 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 no. But, you know, you know I, I, I look at it from now I'm looking from the outside of like and I'm always fascinated by how much front offices value guys like this. I, I really am. And I think that front offices, it, it is cyclical. And I do think it's starting to turn a little bit because the narrative has gotten so strong where, where you know, front offices were catching so much heat. So you have to, like we've had, I can't tell you how many podcasts I did this year where, you know, Mitch Moreland, Brock Holt, you know, whoever, and they just <laughs> would come out and say, yeah, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. This is, and obviously they had skin in the game because they were the guys. But I've heard a ton of other people, John Lester, whoever. And 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 then so when we asked, you know, I had Heim Bloom on and he asked about Xander Bogart, how much does this stuff mean? And he's like, well, of course it means something. Otherwise, as a 30-year-old free agent, we're not even getting on the bus with him. You know, it's like, okay, well, hmm. that sounds good. But how much are they truly going to value that? Now, Jose Abreu is still a good player, man. Like as you guys point out, I mean, this guy. Look at his OPS. I mean, he's dipped it, it dipped barely below eight hundred once, once. And so, but at, at the same time, there has to be. I think uh, winning. And Rich Hill said this a bunch. You know, winning. Look at the winning teams. They have winning players, and and with the right group around them, it seems like this guy's a winning player. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Go ahead, Courtney. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it, like he—he's definitely that guy, and and we know that, and we and we lived it in this town with with the Cubs. Where like the guy you talked to what a couple weeks ago, David Ross. As soon as he left, they spent three years in the wilderness looking for that next guy. They went out. They, they had John Jay. They went out and got Daniel Descalso. Like looking for these like just sort of hard scrabble vets who show up and are gamers. Yeah. We had John Jay for a minute too, man. Let's not forget. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We had John so, Jay for a minute too. Yeah, so no, th- there's there's value with those guys. I will tell you one thing about the offensive profile of Abreu. He had a terrible start this year, and then like a lot of you know a lot of a, a, a lot of sluggers who can also hit do. He kind of concentrated on just making contact, and he had a huge amount of singles mm-hmm. this year, and um. And the homers, the power never really came back. Like I, I, I thought the approach was smart. Like you're, you're having trouble controlling the strike zone, having trouble, you know, really driving the ball. So he shortened up and really just tried to make contact. And then you figure the swing would get a little longer and the power would come back. And it didn't really happen. So it could be that that the White Sox front office looks at him and says. He's a thirty, you know, a, a late thirties singles hitting first baseman. That's even less valuable yeah. than a late thirties power hitting first baseman, right? But, but as I said, that's something that always resonated with me was how he really worked to improve his defense. I mean, there were a few years there where I thought he could win a Gold Glove. I think it was last year where he was incredible in the yeah. in the infield. I mean, incredible. 
And that to me is someone that takes pride in his craft. And that's something that I didn't see a whole lot of with this current White Sox team. Where honestly, like a Tim Anderson who gets a little sloppy defensively, you know, comparing that to a Jose Abreu who really, really wanted to make it a point to get better defensively. That kind of stuff resonates with the fan base. How much? How much? I know that you know of the many problems that they had this year. How much do you think that? And you guys talk about Rick Hahn finally getting sort of a little bit of the reins back. Will they say, "All right, man"? Like we were fundamentally, we were terrible. Defensively, we were terrible. How much are they going to be? Are, do you think that that'll turn? That that'll they'll prioritize that stuff? Well, let's see if you can teach it to big leaguers in their 20s and uh, well, that's and the problem, 30s. right? If you're locked into guys, it's like good luck. You know, it's like you can you know, you can do you can hit all the ground balls and fly balls you want. They are what I, they are at that point. I asked Pedro Grafal that exact question. Um what on on the air the day was hired is like can you teach fundamentals to veteran players? And he said, "Yeah, you can." So it, it, he they believe that he can. They really do believe that just by coaching these guys up, they're going to be a lot better by holding them accountable, by by actually giving them energy, by having a manager who has patience and time and and uh, and the ability to communicate and really try to connect with them, that they're going to be a lot better. So they're they're going to. They're they're definitely gonna gonna focus on that stuff and 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 we'll see what happens, um in 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 that regard. One other thing you should know you got to know about Abreu is the level of respect within, especially the Cuban community. So, like when Yasmani Grandal came here, he just like threw it in at the end of an answer one time and it caught us all off guard. He said, "Yeah, I'm just here to try and play well and do what we can and." Dot dot dot. Follow Abreu to the promised land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grandal, yeah. Grandal is a made guy coming here, signing a four-year what seventy-six million dollar deal or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. Having been to a World Series, and he said, "We're here to follow Abreu to the promised land." I mean, that's respect, you know. You know, in, in with Abreu in Boston, he will forever be known as the guy who brought Rusne Castillo to Boston in a weird way. <laughs> oh, because, wow. because, yeah, because the Red Sox missed out on the, which was the bizarre sort of posting fee for Abreu is like those blind posting fee. Yeah. And evidently they missed out on him by like $6 million or something. And, and then they, the Red Sox, as they want to do sometimes chasing their tail, they said, well, let's get the next good Cuban player. And the, so the next year they get Rusne Castillo, yeah. and that didn't work out too well. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so oh, I will say one thing about the White Sox fundamentals that Matt was touching on. I just got to say again, kind of the fan base standpoint, how refreshing it's going to be to have a whole new set of eyes. Yeah, nothing to do with the White Sox organization. They're hiring from the outside. Pedro Grifol, as we talked about, Rob comes very very highly regarded, and it's just going to be so mm-hmm. nice not to have a bunch of White Sox retreads coaching up this team.